Thank you, Pastor Jason, for introducing me. Pastor Jason and I met probably more than a decade ago on a youth leadership missions trip to Costa Rica. And I think it was soon after he met his wife, Carol. And it has been just such a joy for me to watch his journey into ministry and to now see him as the lead pastor here at Citizens LA. Hi everybody, I'm Grace, though I call myself a writer and editor now. I used to be a pastor and, and my heart is still so much for the church and her people. It's always a gift to preach from the Word of God and I'm so glad to be here with you today. In the last year, many of us have faced and grappled with loss and grief, maybe anger and confusion, doubts, fears, and just so much anxiety and depression. Some of us are questioning everything we grew up learning, and others of us are, are digging in deeper and holding more tightly to the things we've long believed. I get it, there's, there's chaos inside of us and there's chaos outside of us. And as I've been listening to the stories of people um, sharing their struggles and what it means to live a faith that really looks like Jesus, the question I hear lingering beyond their words is where do I go from here? How do I live my life in a way that actually makes a difference? Or what do I do with everything I've just deconstructed and how do I move forward? How do we move forward as a church, as a community, or even as a nation? We're all standing in the ash of what was once normal, but many of us, perhaps for the first time, are waking up to see that normal wasn't good or right or just. Systems honoring white supremacy over the lives and deaths of people of color is not normal. Men abusing women and getting a pass is not normal. The rich getting richer and the poor getting poorer is not normal. And even being so busy that it takes a pandemic for us to slow down and rest is not normal. We all long for the way things were, particularly with the loved ones we've lost, I understand. But we know that normal needs to be redefined. It needs to be reimagined. So where do we go from here? How do we move forward? Let's look at the story of Bezalel to see how. Now you might be wondering, who is Bezalel? Uh, well, we first meet him in Exodus 31. And prior to this moment, the Israelites have been delivered from generations of slavery in Egypt, and they're now wandering in the wilderness. From our perspective as outside readers, I think we often get frustrated or annoyed at the Israelites, at their grumbling and complaining, and their lack of trust in God, who's done miracles for them. But we need to remember that for generations, for hundreds of years, they had been stripped of their personhood and that their identity as people of God, made in the image of God, had been di diminished. They had been dehumanized, only seen and treated as labor and not like people. So it's in the wilderness that God is in, is in essence recreating them as a people and as a community. He gives them values to live by, commandments to follow, and he creates a space for them to meet with him, the tabernacle. And this is where we meet Bezalel. So in Exodus 31, 1-5, it says, Then the Lord said to Moses, Look, I have specifically chosen Bezalel, 
son of Uri, grandson of Hur, of the tribe of Judah. I have filled him with the Spirit of God, giving him great wisdom, ability, and expertise in all kinds of crafts. He is a master craftsman, expert in working with gold, silver, and bronze. He is skilled in engraving and mounting gemstones and in carving wood. He is a master at every craft. It says that God filled him with the Spirit, anointing him with wisdom, ability, and expertise in all kinds of crafts. So let's take a deeper look into this passage. I think it gives us insight into the two things we need, into two things we need to move forward. One, we need the Spirit of God on us. We need His anointing to give us the wisdom, knowledge, and skill to create uh, new things, to forge new paths, and to come up with a, a reimagined normal. Of course, we, we shouldn't be so arrogant or, or, or think that the people in the past haven't done um, enough or we could do better. Uh, we should consider those things um, and the foundations that were laid before us, but also we can, by the Spirit of God, build on those things or even do something in a completely new way that's not been done before. We do this by having our feet feet uh, grounded in reality and the struggles of the most marginalized while also having the, the capacity to dream a new world with them. So for example, what would it look like if we lived in a world that was equitable for all? What would it look like in a world uh, where misogyny and patriarchy were demolished and men and women were treated um, equally as God intended? What would it look like if everyone had access to what was needed and justice was actually given and we could all flourish without having to fight against broken systems? Though it's true that as human beings, we often repeat history with every movement that disrupts the status quo, God is just looking for people who are willing and he's ready to anoint them with the spirit to see, to imagine, to create, and to lead. The second thing we learn from this passage, uh, or that we see in this passage, is how God calls out the craftsmanship of Bezalel. Um, I think it's perhaps it's possible that he had worked with gold or precious gemstones back in Egypt, but we read at the beginning of Exodus that the Israelites had labored to make brick and mortar, and that they worked harshly in the fields. So. Perhaps it's not that he was already an expert or an expert craftsman, um, but maybe it was more like how God saw Gideon later in the book of Judges. Um, Gideon was in hiding and God calls him mighty warrior. And I, and I think that's how God sees Bezalel here. He calls out the creativity that um, maybe lies dormant in Bezalel, but that God sees um, that's in him. In the NIV, it says that God filled him with the spirit to make artistic designs. I just love that so much. He, he saw that um, the artistry that's needed for the temple. God saw Bezalel's ability and natural skills and gave him more of that. And also the guidelines to start somewhere and the freedom to create and design the space where God would meet with his people. Now for me, I had never imagined I'd be where I'm at now. For most of my younger years, I dreamt of being in ministry, uh, and I thought the only way that I could lead in the way that I wanted to lead was to marry a pastor. I had only seen pastor's wives, 
lead on, alongside their pastor husbands. Um, and I so, I so that's what I dreamed of. But when that didn't happen by God's guidance, and I became the pastor myself, I realized I had only dreamed so far because I couldn't imagine beyond what I had seen with my eyes. But when God called me from ministry into writing, I was totally confused. I was unsure if he knew me at all and why he was asking this of me. You see, for most of my life, I had never been praised for my writing. I didn't take, I wasn't an English major. I didn't take any classes on writing. Um, and all the way through seminary, um, I was not great at writing essays. Also, I didn't know anyone who looked like me, um, Asian American women leaders or writers in the Christian world. So not only did I not have the experience um, or the background, I didn't have uh, an example who was before me. I also didn't have witnesses of other people telling me, yes, Grace, you're great at this. So for several years, I went back and forth with God, uh, questioning his plans and my purpose and constantly asking why. Why, God? I'm not a writer. I'm not creative. I'm not a creative. I don't do art. Um, but it finally took this burning bush moment with him and the words of my friend to convince me to fully say yes. So in this burning bush moment, I was asking God, Lord, give me a vision for what you want me to do in this next season of life. Um, and and I, I felt like his voice was a little frustrated with me, like God was with Moses in front of the burning bush. And he said, write. How many times have I already told you? Write and lead with your words. Um, and the words of my friend uh, was, um, Grace, you know you're going to withhold God's blessing on people by not obeying his word, right? So that those two things got me to that place where I could, where I finally relented and fully committed to this work of writing. That was about eight years ago that God nudged me and maybe maybe uh, six years ago that I finally said, okay, I'm gonna go in it full force. Um, and now I can look back and see that I loved books and stories and uh, I saw the power of words even as a kid. And though I was imaginative and creative at a young age, I grew up and stopped considering those aspects of myself as um, valid or as legitimate as an adult um, or as a Christian leader. But I saw that, um, but I, so I had to come to this place in my faith where um, I had to see again that God is beyond what I can see. I needed to believe again that he is trustworthy and that though it didn't make sense to me or anyone around me, God would not be boxed in by our ideas of what he could do. So um, I took one step after the other, trusting that if he was going to call me into this work of writing or speaking or editing, that he was going to help me and guide me. Now I can confidently say, I am a writer, um, and I'm even starting to call myself a poet, not because I have years of experience or tons of accolades or published books, because I don't, but because as I'm discovering more of God, I'm discovering more of myself and my voice and how he made me. Um, and I'm realizing that there's a, there's a cadence and rhythm to my words um, that I've never, I never noticed before, I never saw before. So as I'm stepping into the things that God is calling me to do, he's revealing 
more gifts and skills and wisdom in me that I didn't think I had. Um, for me, it's writing and it's creating spaces with words. But for you, it might be uh, creating spaces for God to come and dwell um, in your office as a lawyer or on set as an actor or um, creating a third place um, as a small business own owner. It could be as a parent um, with your children or a student um, with your classmates, even if it's online. However God has gifted you and wherever God has placed you, he desires to make his presence known through you. In one of my favorite books that I've read this year called I Bring the Voices of My People, Dr. Shaniqua Walker-Barnes writes, to watch for God means that we dream with God. We are aware of reality, yet we do not allow what is to constrain our vision of what ought to be. Let me read that for you again. To watch for God means that we dream with God. We are aware of reality, yet we do not allow what is to constrain our vision of what ought to be. She quotes Katangale and Rice from their book, Reconciling All Things, where they say, This is the very nature and essence of the church, to exist as the sign of a reality beyond itself. It is not that the church is the new reality. The church's mission is to gesture to this reality beyond us. The promise of new life is what gives the church its uniqueness as well as its challenge, namely, to be an imperfect yet compelling demonstration plot of the new creation we announce. I just love that so much. You see, imagination isn't a childish thing as I had thought, but the very thing we need to co-create a world with God that currently doesn't exist. It's this combination of imagination and the work of the Spirit that helps us answer the questions, where do we go from here? How do we move forward? Now you might be thinking, okay, so practically what does that mean? How do we do this? First, it means that we must be open and in tune with the Spirit. Church, I don't know if you know this, but God is alive, meaning in real time, He's engaging with us and He's speaking to us. Yes, in His Word, but right now in within us, He's speaking and moving. Um, he's speaking and moving. When the Israelites were wandering through the wilderness and the pillar of cloud uh, moved from the tabernacle, it meant it was time to move. The Israelites undid their life packed up every, everything, including the tabernacle, and moved with God. And, and he's moving now too, in our families, in our work, in our relationships, in our churches, online, in our hospitals, everywhere. God is moving. The question is, do you know it? Are you in tune? And are you listening to what the Spirit is saying to you? And are you aware of what he's doing around you? Whether he speaks to you through your gut, through your community, through his word, through podcasts, or even right now as you're listening to me speaking, the question is, are you listening? Are you in tune with yourself and are you ready? Uh, are you in tune with yourself and the spirit and are you ready and open to moving when he moves? Two, the, the second thing we need is we must be anointed with the Spirit. So one, we must be open and aware that God is moving, right? 
um, both within us and outside of us, but also two, we must be anointed. Now, how does that happen? We, we get anointed by asking God to anoint us. We pray, God, anoint me with the gifts and skills I need. Lord, give me wisdom and knowledge beyond what I already know. Ask and you will receive. Now, the specifics of what that will look like, uh, it'll be different for every person, depending on what God is saying to you and asking of you specifically. However, the guarantee is that if you ask, He will give. If you ask, if you pray, He will anoint you and give you the Spirit. I didn't grow up with a robust understanding of the Holy Spirit, so even when I asked God to fill me and anoint me, I didn't know what that would look like in the end, what, what that would feel like, or how that would come about in my life. Uh, but over time and through the confirmation of those around me, there is evidence of the Spirit working in me and through me by the fruit of my life. It shows. It shows when the Spirit of God is living and we are, uh, we are obeying and responding to Him. So, ask to be anointed with the Spirit. And when, um, when he moves, be ready to move, doing the next right thing or the next best thing. And over time, I pray that you and even those around you can, will see the fruit of the Spirit in your life. So one, we must be open um, and in tune with the Spirit. Two, we must be anointed with the Spirit by asking Him. And three, we must be humble and pliable, grounded and imaginative. We must be ready to have our often small ideas of what could be or should be dismantled so that we can dream with God and others and make it a reality together. We must be able to persevere when the work is not glorious or we don't see change uh, and still have the faith to believe that God is at work. We must be able to rest and care, trusting that God is still doing his work um, and to care for ourselves because it's not going to happen overnight. Things won't change overnight. And we need the tenacity of hope uh, to keep us going. Right now, as we look all around us at the wreckage of what was, the ash that's not quickly turning into something good or beautiful, it's okay and easy to get frustrated or to get discouraged, to feel overwhelmed by the impossibility of changing the way the world is or facing another day of the struggle we're in. But we are not alone. We are not abandoned. Impossibility is the framework, the paradigm in which God works. With Him and with the Spirit indwelling in us, all things are possible. Even and especially when it's something made out of nothing. In Genesis 1-2 it says, the earth was formless and empty, and darkness covered the deep waters, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the surface of the waters. The Spirit of God, who hovered over that chaos, the formlessness and the emptiness of the world, that Spirit spoke light and life into existence. And that same Spirit hovered over Bezalel and gave him the gifts and skills and abilities of so many crafts. And that same spirit hovers over us. Let's reimagine, friends, what normal can be. 
Let's all be filled with the Spirit and learn to co-create with God uh, and to join Him in the work that He's doing to fully redeem and reconcile the world to Himself. Let's open our hands together and pray. God, we invite you. We cry out to you. We are in need of your Spirit's anointing on us as a people and as the church. I pray for renewed imaginations, for humility that keeps us tender and flexible to how your Spirit moves, and for the courage to dream with you and to work toward a world that reflects your love and the flourishing of all. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.